You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Sit on down here at the Nine Foot Homemade Oak Bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. And this is Socks in the Basement brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Remember, the phone number is right there on the logo for Socks in the Basement. You can also visit their website, FAMWS.com. Mention Socks in the Basement and you will get money off. They are there for all of your foundational and waterproofing needs. Good people that we constantly hear about from fans who say, we listen to the podcast, we heard about Family Waterproofing Solutions, we called them, our problem was fixed, thank you. And you know what, I didn't do anything, I just mentioned them, check them out, once again, FAMWS.com. My friend, you wrote a blog on SocksInTheBasement.com, your mismatched socks blog, and you determined, after many, many paragraphs, that the secret to fixing the White Sox was getting rid of Dylan Cease. That's it. Everything gets better once you get rid of Dylan Cease. The offense, the defense, the pitching. Everything gets better when you get rid of Dylan Cease. Uh, well, not quite everything like that. But, yeah, you know what? Dylan Cease, to me, stands out as sneaky being the, the, the biggest problem the Sox have right now because his three starts, he's only made it into the fifth inning. He's gone four and two-thirds each time. He's caused the bullpen to have to be stretched out at times when it didn't need to be stretched out. It's caused Jose Ruiz to have to come in in critical situations that you wouldn't want Jose Ruiz coming into. Uh, and it's it's really, it's just set the tone for guys to be misused, and it's caused, I think, a lot of the late-inning meltdowns that the bullpen has had have been trying to keep up with Dylan Cease because he's not just throwing out clunkers. He's putting them in positions to have a win, but he just can't get late enough into the game to get to the bullpen in a way that makes any real sense. And I think I propose that, you know, if you make him the long reliever and maybe tandem Kopech and Crochet or or at least get somebody who can get there and get into the sixth inning as a starter and get all five of them going, that you're going to have a little bit better result on the bullpen. And that is going to take, I think, pressure off the hitters ultimately, too. I don't quite get into it on the blog, but yeah, sure, you know what? If the pitchers are going really well, the hitters are going to feel like they don't have to score and they're not going to be pressing as much. And I think that's some of what happens with the hitters too early on is right now, Jose Abreu, I don't know what you're seeing. I know that that uh, Steve Stone and Jason Benetti were kind of talking on the broadcast that he is always a slow starter. I did note that you know two years ago in April he was only hitting 192, but he's pressing early on and Mancata's pressing, I think, early on. And you got some guys that are trying to do too much to live up to their numbers and their status. And if everybody just kind of is able to relax and know that the the one of the best pitching staffs in the league is rolling and everybody's slotting in perfectly and there's nothing really keeping them down, kind of the way the Padres are doing. And the Padres aren't hitting very well, but they are one of the best teams in the league right now. I think the Sox could do that much better. I get why you would say get rid of Dylan Cease because you're right. It changes how the bullpen gets used and the way that Michael Kopech is throwing. Everybody's like, oh, you know, he's just coming off of Tommy John. No, no, no. We've never really seen a guy that had this much time between Tommy John and now because he took last year off. He's ready to go and he's good. And if Lance Lynn is only out for a start or so here, I would be all for a rotation that has right now the way it lines up. It goes Giolito, Rodon, Lynn. And then you have, what, Keuchel and Go Kopech? 
Yeah. Like, I mean, like, if Rodon is what you, you've seen in the early going, especially the first couple of games, then you're fine with that rotation. You're happy to move forward with it. And Dylan Cease goes into the bullpen and works things out. I've heard Steve Stone talk about guys get better in the bullpen. I've heard other pitching coaches say it. When you're having a problem, get into the bullpen, work it out. Dylan Cease needs that right now. As for the hitting, though, I geeked out today. Oh, did you know? Uh, I did. Let's talk about whether or not guys are being used in the right way. We have certain players that hit very well against left-handed pitching. We have a few that hit well against right-handed pitching. There is a perception there is not enough guys that hit well against right-handed pitching. We have personnel that's been provided to a manager, and a manager has to figure out how to use that personnel. And at the beginning of last season, we sat down and did a similar exercise by looking at certain players on the White Sox and their career stats and their stats from 2019 and tried to figure out how should they be used, who's available versus lefty pitchers and righty pitchers, how do we find more offense for this team? And I think it makes a lot of sense right now based upon the ups and downs of the White Sox offense to try to do this again. So what I did is I looked at OPS. That is your on-base percentage and your slugging percentage added up. It takes into account the fact you get on base and it awards extra points for the amount of extra base hits that you get. So looking at an OPS as the definitive way to figure out the offensive contribution of players, I broke things down not only by career numbers, but also 2019, which is the last complete season, and then last year's 2020 shortened schedule. And I looked at a certain amount of players here, Ed. I looked at the core guys, Abreu, Moncada, Anderson, Grandal, also Luis Robert and Nick Mandrigal, even though it's a small sample size in 2020, and also Adam Eaton. I also put in Aloy Jimenez and Adam Engel because the two of them are injured players that you would have expected to have around. And then I left in Encarnacion, Mazzara, McCann, three guys that were part of your lineup in a, in a big way in 2020 and are no longer part of your team, just for comparison's sake. And I tried to break down where do we have really good hitters and where are we lacking as a team? Are you intrigued by this? I'm very intrigued. And I agree with you that using OPS makes the most sense because if you got a guy like Madrigal who's going to be an on-base guy but a low-slugging guy, if he's got a high OPS, that means he's doing his job. But if you've got somebody like Grandal who is a balanced, high-on-base, high-slugging guy, and he's got a high OPS, he's really doing his job. And if you've got somebody like, say, Encarnacion should have been, where he might be low on base but he's going to be high-slugging, he also should have a high OPS and be doing his job. So I broke down everybody's OPS and I decided that an OPS over a thousand is basically your Hall of Fame player or had a Hall of Fame season. And I think that's that's, pretty accurate. That's really lofty. Right. Over 900, you're an all-star. Yes. From 840 up, you got high-end production. That's about where you want them to be. Right. From 750 up, you're above average. Yeah. If you're 700 to 750, I put you average. If you're below 700, you're bad. And then I have some people that actually have OPSs below 600, either against a lefty or righty. They should never see a lineup. That's how bad right. they are against <laughs> that style that's, of pitcher. That's, that's you and me going out there kind of bad. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so let's take a quick overview look at the White Sox in terms of career. Guys, their career numbers. And remember, Robert and Madrigal were just looking at basically this very small first couple of weeks of 21 and their 2020 season. So we don't know exactly for sure if it's going to end up this way, but this is where they, they would sit along with everybody else. The White Sox have two guys against lefties that have all-star OPSs. 
and one guy against righties that has an all-star OPS. Abreu and Robert against left-handed pitching, and unfortunately, the very injured Aloy Jimenez against righties. Really? The next level down shows that Tim Anderson and the no longer with us Edwin Encarnacion would be in the top four with Abreu and Robert against lefties. You only have one guy that's considered to have high-end 840-plus production against righties, and that's Jose Abreu. After that, you have pretty much guys that are in that above-average range, somewhere between 750 OPS to 840. And you can actually get down to about eight guys on either side career-wise. So there's higher-end production against lefties, but it's not a massive drop-off when you look at the career numbers of White Sox hitters when you're trying to figure out against right-handed pitchers or left-handed pitchers. So first off, we have to dispel the notion that the White Sox are just, they're so bereft of anybody that can hit a right-handed pitcher that they're just never going to be able to do well against righties. They have guys that can do it. They don't have superstars as much against righties as they have against lefties looking at career numbers, but they have guys that can do it. Does that surprise you? No, it does not. Because if you look at the lineup, your left-handed batters are... Yohan Moncada, who really has had one very, very good season, and then the rest of it has been pretty pedestrian. Uh, so from a career standpoint number, he's not there yet. Yasmani Grandal is an above-average production guy overall, but he's not a superstar guy. He just is one of the best catchers in, the, in, in Major League Baseball, both at the plate and behind the plate, so he gets high praise for that based on positionality, but not overall, not compared to, like, your first baseman, outfielders, things like that. And then the other lefty bat that's in there is Adam Eaton, who is an above-average Major League hitter, but is not a superstar hitter and, and never has been. He's just a really good guy to have in your lineup when he's doing his thing, which is kind of what we've been seeing the first couple of weeks of the season. So this team definitely lacks superstar left-handed thump in their lineup. They don't have a superstar lefty bat. And that's where in the offseason we were looking for a guy like Michael Brantley who is more that guy. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. The White Sox, for career numbers, only have seven guys with an OPS of 750 or higher against left-handed pitchers out of this entire list. And guess what? Two of them are no longer on the team in Encarnacion and McCann. Remember, I'm keeping those three guys at left. Right, right, right. And Jimenez is injured. Right. So you only have four players right now against left-handed pitchers that are actually a 750 or over OPS, which makes it astounding how well this team does 
against left-handed pitching because if you look at them over their careers, this shouldn't be happening. And yet it is happening, which is incredible. But let's look at 2019 where that's the last full season that the White Sox had. And you can see how the White Sox were probably, as a front office, reacting to 2019 numbers because they're a little bit different. In 2019, looking at this list of players, current and three former ones from last year, the White Sox had three guys over 900 with an OPS against left-handed pitching. And Jose Abreu in 2019 was over 1,000. Hall of Fame levels in 2019 against lefties. Okay. Encarnacion and Grandal would have ranked two and three on that list against left-handed pitching, all three of them with an OPS of over 900. Then you got four guys afterwards in, Man- in McCann, Mancata, Anderson, and Engel that all were 840-plus OPSs. But of those seven guys that are your top seven, two of them are gone, and one of them is injured in the form of Adam Engel. Luis Robert and Adam Eaton round out the top nine, and they at least have OPSs over 750. So it looks really good from the left-handed side. On the right-handed side in 2019, Yuan Moncada is the only guy of an all-star caliber 900-plus OPS against righties in 2019. Tim Anderson got an 840. The next three guys on the list, Mazzara, Encarnacion, no longer on the team, Jimenez injured. If you look at the White Sox 2019 stats, the last full season, your third, fourth, and fifth best hitters against right-handed pitching do not exist. Because if you took Mazzara's numbers, even though he wasn't on the team in 2019, and Carnacion's numbers, even though he wasn't on the team in 2019, and Aloy Jimenez in 2019, and you said, this, this is what we're going to expect, the White Sox didn't get it, first of all, from Mazzara and Encarnacion, but they're not on the team anymore, and Jimenez is injured. That's a big chunk out of your right-handed, you know, the, your guys hitting against right-handed pitching. That really gives you a big drop-off because you want to know what the next best guy against righties is? Nick Madrigal. Huh. If you take 2019 stats, and let's and I'm using Madrigal's 20 because he wasn't around in 20, 2019, but if you take 2019 stats and Madrigal's 20 stats, your top three OPS guys that are available to Tony La Russa right now against right-handed pitching are Yoan Moncada, Tim Anderson, and Nick Madrigal. Yeah, only one of those guys is really a run producer because Anderson and Madrigal are... They're your table setters, and I know I know Anderson can drive the ball out of the ballpark. I know I know he can hit for some power. Magical's doubles are going to be you know base hits that he runs into a double, but you don't have once again you don't have the guy in the middle of this lineup that just absolutely rakes against righties. And I think you know when when you're talking about them chasing down somebody like Jock Peterson, then when you look at it in terms of these numbers. That makes a heck of a lot more sense because you don't necessarily care if he's in the lineup against lefties or if he's a strict platoon player uh, because you don't need him to be. You've got some options there to platoon with him, but that's who they were trying to target, and that's what they're still missing and that they didn't accomplish in the offseason. Now, if we look at 2020 numbers, the guy they probably thought was going to help them was Aloy Jimenez. In 2020, Aloy had an 898. OPS against right-handed pitching. In fact, he was better against right-handed pitching than he was against lefties. Abreu as well. Abreu had a 1018 OPS. He was over 1,000 against right-handed pitching. Remember, in 2019, he was over 1,000 against lefties. He flipped it in the shortened season in 2020. 
So the White Sox might have had hope, but everything's coming back down to earth now because here are your top five guys and the only five guys using 2020 stats that had a 750 or higher OPS against right-handed pitching in 2020. Abreu at one, Jimenez at two, Adam Engel at three, Nick Madrigal at four, and Adam Eaton at five. Those are the only guys in 2020 against right-handed pitchers that had an OPS of 750 or higher. And that should have sounded off alarms. That should have frightened everybody in the front office, like, where do we find it at? When you lose Jimenez, and when Adam Engel gets himself injured, so he can't even fill in for Jimenez because he could have at least given you, you know, something against right-handed pitching. It's it's Abreu, who's regressed back to what he normally does, better against lefties than against righties. And then Madrigal and Eaton. And, and they're not killing it. They just happen to be a little bit above 750. That's your team in 2020. That's not even looking at the 2021 numbers, which are even more stark that showed that the team can't hit righties. And here's the thing that jumped out at me right away. The use of Yasmani Grandal at this point. Yasmani Grandal has been barely used against left-handed pitchers. Tony La Russa has been using him mainly against right-handed pitchers, although Grandal is better against lefties. For his career, he's better against lefties. His 2019 numbers, he had a 926 OPS against lefties versus an 813 versus righties. And in 2020, a 905 OPS against lefties versus a 744 against righties. He's not being used, though, against lefties. He's being played against righties because of the desperation. Because right now, he would rank right behind Eaton as the next guy up in terms of production against right-handed pitching. You would normally sit there and say, we're going to have Zach Collins go do that against every once in a while. When he needs a break, give him his breaks against righties. But as just an average hitter against righties, he's one of your top options right now when you look at what is available on your team. That right there shows that that LaRusso has to weigh, even though he would produce so much more against lefties, I need him against every righty that we face because I don't have enough guys that can hit a righty. Well, and that becomes a failing on Zach Collins, too, a little bit. And and what I think you, you have to hope, if you're the White Sox, is that Collins, as a left-handed batter, becomes more dangerous against right-handed pitching and and has more of a traditional split because that way the days off for Grandal are going to be against, say, Nathan Eovaldi. But you would, you would hope that he would be a guy that his strength would be going against right-handed batters. And you would also hope that, you know, when you're talking about the guys that are available right now, like you said, with Abreu flipping back to being more dangerous against lefties than against righties. He's not dangerous against anything right now. He's just bad. No, right, right now he's not dangerous against anyone. <laughs> you're right. He's bad but, right now. But he'll get, I, I think he'll get there. I, I, I think he is a notoriously slow starter. But the guy, the other guy on that list that I'm really worried about is Adam Engel, because you're basing that only on his 2020, that shortened season, where we all kind of looked at Engel and went, Hey, maybe this guy's figured it out. Maybe he's turned a corner and become, you know, a potentially a major league starting outfielder. But the reality is, is that we've never seen that over a full season. And I'm curious when Engel comes back, if he comes out of the gate looking like he did early on in the spring, looking like he did all last year, and he is hitting righties and lefties fairly equally, which is what the the split was, I think, for him last year. You know, if I'm not, if I'm hearing you right, Adam Engel 
against left-handed pitchers, his OPS would be in the top nine batters that you could send out there, but he'd be towards the bottom. If you went with his career numbers, his 2019 numbers, and or his 2020 numbers. Against righties, he his career numbers and his 2019 numbers, he wouldn't even make the list of the top nine batters you could send out there. In 2020, he was the third best. So, like, he becomes very valuable if 2020's real. 2020's not real, he's a guy who platoons. And real quick, I want to jump in and apologize to a guest that we are going to have on today that we're going to have on this weekend instead, and that's because this deep dive is so intriguing to me, there's no way I'm breaking into the 30 minutes that is Socks in the Basement. It's a great interview. I can't wait to give it to all of you. Tom Borowski, known as at Tom underscore paints, painted me a picture of Luis Robert and sent it to me so I could hang it up here in the bar. So it's right here now when we record Socks in the Basement. Tom is going to be joining us to talk about all these unique pieces of artwork that he puts together to celebrate his favorite team. You will be one of our guests this weekend. Remember, the show comes out every Wednesday and every Saturday. A guy who puts out a podcast only once a week by the name of Butch Zemar will have a new episode this week of the Zemar Podcast. What's it about? Insurance. Before you get worried about that and go, wow, that's boring. I never understood how my health insurance works, how companies go out and get health insurance for employees, how you can end up spending a ridiculous amount of money out of your own pocket, how your business overpays, and what ways you could avoid spending so much on health insurance until I started helping him with his podcast. I'm not on it. I just help him put it together. But check out the ZMAR podcast everywhere podcasts can be found. And also at EliteBenefits.net. If you are a CFO, HR professional, or owner of a company and you're tired of typical health insurance premium increases each and every year, Butch is over there at EliteBenefits.net and he wants to help you out. And as he explains in this week's podcast, now is the time to start preparing. You don't wait until open enrollment at the end of the year. Now is when you start asking questions so you can save your business and your employees a ton of money. Get in touch with Butch right now. Shoot him an email, Butch at EliteBenefits.net. You hit it on the head when you said, you know, some of these guys, you can look at their career numbers and they just need to be what they've always been. Jose Abreu or Adam Eaton, guys with long track records. We know what they are. They just need to be themselves. That's why they're here in the lineup. Yohan Moncada needs to be 2019 Moncada for a million different reasons. He can't be 2018 and he can't be 2020 Moncada. He's got to be 2019 Yo-Yo. And that is a huge key for this team is getting him going. And I think that that's what's held them back so far more than anything else, even, even a Brayu's slow start. But between... Using Grandal correctly, between hoping that Madrigal and Anderson are the table setters that you expect them to be, the biggest holes are, and the biggest questions are, is your mean Mercedes Eloy Jimenez light? Is he diet Eloy at this point? And who is that other guy? Because somebody does have to step up and take that left field spot, and I think everybody expects it to be Andrew Vaughn will come out of this and hit He's got to be given an opportunity to do so, and I think he will be. You know, I do wonder, based on the 2020 usage, based on, you know, the advancements that he made, I do wonder if we are going to be stuck with Adam Engel and whatever he has become, and if that's going to be enough. And if he is 2020 and he builds on it the way you want Robert to build on his 2020, 
if Engel builds on his 2020, I think the Sox are fine. Meanwhile, you got Nick Madrigal right now just a little bit off his pace for what he does against righties and way up against left-handed pitching. Okay? It's going to be the rookies. It's going to be, like, the more, when I looked at these numbers, the thing that, that struck me the most was, you can look at guys like Abreu and say, I know what his career is. If you can get to his career, he's fine. You can look at a guy like Tim Anderson and say, you know what, T.A., is he, he is what he is. I, I don't even trust his career numbers because they take into account some bad years that he's never going back to doing again. So I look at his 2019 and I go, that's he's pretty very, much what he is. He's a very recent career. Right. He, he's a, he's a recent at. career when you look at it. I look at Yasmani Grandal. He just needs to do what he does for his career. I, I believe that you're going to get a Brayu's career and Grandal's career. I believe these guys are going to get going. I look at Luis Robert. I see improvement. I look at Nick Mandrigal for all the crap that he gets for not having a, a, a bunch of extra base hits and he's never going to hit a home run. He produces, and he actually produces very high against right-handed pitching, higher than most players on this team right now. We're lucky we have him in there. He just knows how to hit. He just knows how to put the bat on the ball and get it in play. And, yeah, he's not going to have enough power to make him a superstar. But I think what you're seeing with Nick Madrigal is exactly what you expected to see or should have expected to see, and I think he is a huge asset. And I think he does – he is going to drive right-handed and left-handed pitchers nuts – because of all the stuff he does with two strikes and how he works counts and everything, but you're still missing the superstar against the right-handed pitcher. Well, yeah, but he got hurt. I mean, it's it's Aloy Jimenez. Aloy Jimenez, right. we keep talking about how he cost you four games because, like, that's his, you know, probably what his wins above replacement would have been, but it might be far more if you can't find somebody else to replace his bat against right-handed pitching. Because here's a guy who hit 964 for his career so far against right-handed pitching. He's actually better against righties, which is surprising, but it's true. He's much better against right-handed pitching than he is against left-handed pitching. And here's a guy that's in your top five in 2019 when you look at him versus right-handed pitching. And here's a guy who, once again, last year was right around 900 against right-handed pitching. This is what he does. He hits righties. He's your thumper in the middle against the right-handed pitcher. And you don't have him right now. So somebody needs to replace that. And we've been really fortunate that your mean Mercedes is hitting as well as he is because the moment that goes away, the hole is going to get so much worse. So the only thing LaRusa can do right now, I mean, I, I saw his Tuesday night lineup. It made sense to me. He he had to get a, a, a day off from the field for Abreu, obviously. He decided he needed to put him at DH. And he decided, but I'm not taking Vaughn out of the lineup because he needs consistent at-bats. And your mean is, is essential right now to my offensive production. So he's playing first. And I saw people criticizing it. And I was like, but what else is he supposed to do? Uh, that was my response too. Why not? If you can't unlock Andrew Vaughn, you're in big trouble, right? And if you can't get your mean into the lineup right now, based upon the way these guys are hitting, you're in big trouble. And you can't sit there and bench Abreu because you need him to work through his slow start like he has in the past and get to his career numbers. So you have to do what he did on Tuesday night. And the numbers show that he had to do what he did on Tuesday night. I, I, he, these guys are essential to this team. You can't sit there and say, well, Andrew Vaughn sucks, sit him down. Then who's going to give you the production that you need? Because you don't have anybody else that looks like they can do it. Not consistently in that long term. This is the problem. The White Sox rolled the dice in the offseason on the idea that they didn't need a bat to go into the middle of their order because they had enough and this, this kid, Andrew Vaughn, was going to provide that for them. And... When Jimenez got hurt, that's why it was so scary. Right now, Jimenez's absence is being covered by this insane start by your mean Mercedes, folk hero of the South Side. 
But that extra bat in the offseason is still missing, and it really is missing against right-handed pitching. And that's why Andrew Vaughn has to be in there every day, because until you find a solution to that, you're in big, big trouble, okay? And really, the only solution down the line is, do you believe that Adam Engel comes back and rakes against righties like he did in a very short season last year? That's it. it well, yeah. You look at the numbers. Those are your best two options. That, that's pretty much it. And you, and then you're still waiting on Mankata to, to go back to what he was doing in 2019. So there's a lot of ifs and ands and whats and huhs, and you're still sitting around 500. So I'm I, I'm not even looking at the record right now. The record is is meaningless. What I need to do is start seeing, like, where's that big production going to come from, especially in the middle of the order, and where is it going to come from when they have to face a right-handed pitcher? And which one of, and this is the dice roll, which one of the young, unproven bats that the Sox said were going to be on this roster all season long, which one of these guys is going to step up and, and grab it? And it, it, no pressure, Rooks, you know? just No, you know who the pressure's on? The, the pressure's on the front office because they're the ones that rolled the dice on all these guys. They're the ones that said this was going to happen, that we didn't need to worry about this. We didn't need any more players. My team's on the field, remember that? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, the pressure's on the front office. The pressure's on Rick Hahn. The pressure's on the guy that actually had to build the team. And right now, he's got to figure out how you and I'll go back to this because at some point, if it doesn't work out right away, it's going to be, well, look, we lost Aloy. I fine. But as those numbers show, there were other hitters against right handed pitchers that you needed to find to insert into that order in the offseason. And right now, I don't I don't know where they're at, where you're you're literally as a White Sox fan watching the score. But you're also saying, how is Yo-Yo doing against righties? How is Andrew Vaughn doing in total? but also against righties. Can Zach Collins start to hit better against righties and actually, or hit better in general so that Yasmani Grandal could take his days off against, if he can, if, if Collins can just hit well against righties, you can get even more out of Grandal because he won't be resting all the time against lefties. Here's a guy who's, he's better against lefties. He has to be used against righties though because of your deficiency right now, hitting against right-handed pitching. That, that's a glaring thing. So there's all these issues early on in the season that have to be worked out. And as a manager, I agree with the idea that you're going to have to just put them out there and play. You're going to have to let this sort itself out over the next 30 days or so. And then you're going to have to sit there and say, this guy's shown me something. This guy isn't. He's hitting the bench. Next person gets another chance. Because you're going to have to figure out what is the combination that produces the most amount of runs for you. And you're biggest issue right now is against right-handed pitching and you cannot go the whole year sitting there saying it'll all work itself out because it's not going to work itself out you, you have to figure out what combination gets you to that and some of these young guys have to start hitting and for White Sox fans that are upset because of the way that we didn't jump out of the gate here it was more likely that a lot of rookies were going to struggle early on like like Ed if you sat there at the beginning of the year and you told me Chris you got a hundred dollars you got to tell me this Will the rookies struggle out of the gate or will they just come out gangbusters? I would have picked struggling out of the gate right off the bat. And you would have been at least one third of correct in that in that regard, because I think Madrigal and Mercedes have come out gangbusters. I guess so. Uh, but I mean, you needed more than that, right? But you need more Mad- than that. Yeah, yeah, you, you do. What I'm talking about, that you needed you needed whoever was going to be you. You needed Andrew Vaughn to come out. And you needed Jimenez healthy, I guess. I guess that's the thing. This was a quest starting in the offseason, and and it's going to keep on going until somebody does it. And and hopefully it's Andrew Vaughn, because that was plan A going into the season. 
but somebody else in that lineup besides Aloy Jimenez had to be that guy against right-handed pitching. And that's what we're looking for right now is who is that guy because we need him. Jake Lamb? Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.